Welcome to Real Review, a podcast to help you decide for yourself if a movie or TV show is worth your time, money, and energy. With Real 1, Zoe will break down the nuts and bolts, minus spoilers, of course. And with Real 2, she'll invite you into a conversation about the narrative, characters, background, and the power of story. Here's Real 2. Welcome to our spoiler-filled discussion on the new Disney animated feature, Wish. If you listen to Real 1, you heard a bit of background on some of the controversies that Disney is facing right now and how their reputation may be on the line. I felt like Wish was a step in the right direction in terms of going back to basics, going back to the classics. What made Disney great in the first place? And part of that was actually having a sinister villain as the antagonist. I talked at length in Real One about my issues with the music, and I was worried it was just me. But after perusing just a little bit in my film critic circle, I found I am not alone. A lot of other critics have the same problem. So for this deep dive, I will be going into some information about the film's music, rumors surrounding the film, breaking down the story and characters to see why there may not be any magic to this movie. And like I said in Real One, I personally didn't think this was a bad movie. It's just a very mid, very meh movie, middle of the road. So I'm concluding this episode by explaining why this is a problem. As much as I hoped this could be a starting point in a return to form for Disney, I highly doubt they'll do that. So the music. If you've seen the movie or even heard a few songs on the film's soundtrack, maybe you know what I'm talking about when I say the music is not good. I found it exceptionally bland and at times confusing. For example, the villain song. This is supposed to be the epic moment where we see King Magnifico show his true colors, and his song left me confused on what his role is. Is he bad or is he just conflicted? Will he turn back to good? The song is called This Is The Thanks I Get, and its tone does not match the character, or at least doesn't match what a villain song should be. It's very upbeat, very fun, energetic, not at all scary, and there are some implications of evilness, but it's not explicit, and I feel like the upbeat nature of the song doesn't fit the mood it's supposed to create, that we're supposed to feel a sense of fear or dread from Magnifico, but instead, the song just bops around like a pop song. It doesn't pack a lot of punch. For a quick comparison, Mother Gothel's song, Mother Knows Best, is brilliantly done, where it's catchy but eerie. We can clearly see who she is and her intentions for Rapunzel. Another comparison, one of the best villain songs, Be Prepared. So scary that I had trouble with it as a child. It's just so much. Another one, no one fights like Gaston, no one shoots like Gaston, no one in the world is quite like Gaston, a perfect example of a catchy, memorable song that clearly communicates who Gaston is and why he is a threat to Belle and Beast. I don't know much about music, so I can't speak to the music department other than it doesn't sound great, but looking at the other level of what this song is trying to communicate, it's not doing a good job. I mean, one of the first lines in the song is, peep the name, I'm magnificent. Like, what? <laughs> then later in the song, they use the word prob. And when I heard that, I cringed. Already, I was cringing because I don't like Chris Pine in this role or his singing. It felt unnatural and forced, but prob? And it turns out that the people responsible for the music in this movie 
are the duo of Ben Rice and Julian Michaels, who have worked in the pop music industry. Pop music, while I do enjoy it, is not necessarily known for being a very deep genre and usually focuses on making things catchy and top of the charts, appealing to mass audiences. It's basically audio candy, in my opinion. There are exceptions, of course. I love my share of pop songs, but all of Disney's amazing musical history comes from a more dramatic, cinematic, theatrical background, not pop music. You see what I'm saying? They are different genres, different mediums. One does not immediately translate to the other. If the end goal is to make a bunch of fun, upbeat pop songs, that's fine. But for a Disney movie, it ends up feeling bland and boring. There's no weight or gravitas, no real dramatic feeling. And I think it's because they're not compatible. I don't know why Disney thought this would be a good decision for their 100 year anniversary to go with a bunch of pop songs that none of us will be humming to in about 10 years. While I still catch myself to this day singing I'm Wishing from Snow White or A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes from Cinderella or Be Our Guest from Beauty and the Beast. Classics. When you're crafting a song in a movie, you're not just making a song, you're building a scene, you're building character, you're propelling the plot and hopefully in an emotionally resonant way. Wish does not achieve this. For me, the songs which got the closest to achieving those goals were the main song, This Wish, and the Rebellion song, Knowing What We Know Now. And the song I hated the most and had me most confused was I'm a Star. Oh gosh, that song was painful. I am so, so confused. Anyway, the Wish song is alright. Like I said, it's one of the better ones, but worth pointing out that it has a lyric that says, I'll throw caution to every warning sign, which is similar to throwing caution to the wind, except if you throw caution to the warning sign, doesn't that mean the opposite of what you're trying to mean? It's just an example of how the writing of the lyrics in this song, again, I can't speak to the music side of things, but just the lyrics, just the words themselves, how they contextually add little character or scene development and don't seem to even make sense, but try to sound smart. Now let's move away from the movie's music because it was one of my biggest critiques of the film and why I think it fell flat. The story, though, was better in my opinion, or at least passable. And what's kind of funny is how immediately after I saw the movie, I found out that people are theorizing this film was AI-generated, like Disney was testing it out and seeing if they could get away with it. The more I looked into it, the more this seems to be a joke, people joking about how this must be AI-generated because of how bland the music is, how bland the story is, etc. But Wish being AI-generated is both hilarious and terrifying, because without a doubt, Disney and other major entertainment businesses would jump on the chance to cut out writers and even actors, if they could, just to make as much money as possible. So what even is this movie's story? Welcome to the Kingdom of Rosas, which for me personally is a bizarre name choice for a kingdom. I don't like it. But anyway, this is a kingdom of exposition where you find out that King Magnifico and his nameless wife, the queen, just kidding, her name is actually Amaya, had to look it up. They built it together using Magnifico's magical powers. And the main draw to his kingdom is he'll grant your wish. It's unclear when he decides to grant the wishes. It kind of feels like whenever he feels like it. But the whole process starts when a citizen turns 18. They come to the king and they give him their wish, literally taking a piece of their soul out and it's a floating bubble and they give it to him. The king protects hundreds of these floating bubbles in his castle, the wishes, the literal pieces of people's souls, and once someone gives the king their wish, that person forgets it. 
which I find interesting. So Aja, our main character, is 17. Her grandpa is turning 100, and he still hasn't had his wish granted. She's interviewing to become his apprentice and decides to mention this fact about her grandfather and how awesome it would be if he granted the wish today on his birthday. This offends King Magnifico a bit because all people want from him is his ability to grant wishes. He tries to explain that they can't grant every wish because some wishes are vague or dangerous. And Aja rebuts then, why don't you just give them back? And he doesn't really have an answer for that and just ends the interview. It's all intense and stressful and Aja realizes something is majorly wrong with this system. She realizes that maybe one person shouldn't be in control of every person's wishes. So Aja wishes upon a star that they could have something more than what they have, which is Magnifico holding all their wishes hostage in the castle. A star magically appears and becomes a goofy side character alongside the goat Valentine, who offers an occasional joke to make kids laugh. And now Valentine talks so that he's able to make said jokes, thanks to the star's magic. It is very unclear how the star's magic works in this world, similarly to the magic Magnifico has. When Magnifico, he realizes something's happened, I guess a star has landed, he's not sure what to do, he gets very upset about everything, and he turns to the forbidden dark magic. This is where it's a bit confusing with Magnifico's character. Is he all bad or is he choosing bad in a moment of weakness? Because the dark magic consumes him, making him ultimately bad? The movie implies that the dark magic possesses him, consumes him, transforms him into an ultimate evil. But at the same time, was it? He wasn't like a great guy earlier either. He's extremely self-absorbed. He's arrogant. He's got this narcissistic view that he's a victim in his situation, how people don't thank him or appreciate him. And I'm like, dude, dude, you're the one granting the wishes. If you don't want them to only think of you as their wish granter, then get rid of this pointless system that you created <laughs> and you're mad about it, but you perpetuate it. And to be fair, I know people like this in my life where they complain about something and I'm like, you could fix this if you just didn't do that thing. But any case, anyway, I get it. Bad guys are supposed to be bad and annoying and mean, but this just confused me. It confused me, his motivations, where is the logic in this, what drives him, how are these events unfolding in this way? So Aja, with the help of her friends and in a twist that surprised me, the queen, they decide to rebel against the king who's gone just completely mad. And in the grand finale, the entire kingdom sings a song that reminds them they have the power. They're stars. What? <laughs> it's confusing. But they have power over the king and they're able to overthrow him and trap him in his small mirror, which makes him the mirror mirror on the wall. Pretty cool origin story, to be honest. And yeah. Let's just take a step back now. I know that was a ton of information, just a big plot recap. I didn't hate any of these characters. I liked them, but the movie hardly spends time getting to know them. I've been thinking about the Disney Renaissance and the characters which are so iconic from those movies and how you really got to know them, and I compared that to this film. Those movies gave you time with each character, but looking at Wish, the film wasn't necessarily short on runtime, but it felt short. It felt like a breeze, like you zipped through it. And I wonder if part of that is Disney catering more to current children's attention spans, or if the writers just didn't want to spend time focusing and deepening these characters. Aja, Magnifico, the Queen, the Seven Friends, they're all great starting points for interesting characters, but the film spends so little time with any of them that they become forgettable and bland. 
I don't think anyone will remember the names of Aja's seven friends, and at best you might know, fun fact, that each of them is based on one of the seven dwarfs, which is cute. And I really liked the queen character, but they could have done so much more with her. Same with Aja, the protagonist. She is so similar to other Disney princess archetypes we've seen recently, like in Frozen, but I did like her, and I wish, pun intended, they could have leaned more into her being like a sorcerer, because maybe that would have helped her stand out, make the ending with her becoming a fairy godmother more satisfying. The fact that she interviews for the sorcerer apprentice position seems to suggest that she has some sort of inkling towards it. I wish they could have leaned into that more. Anyway, the theme of the movie is wishes, wishing on stars. But in a weird way, the movie tries to explain we are stars too because we contain the same organic materials. It was confusing to say the least, but I like the message I think they're trying to convey, which is we have the power to pursue making our dreams come true. We have agency. If you pair hard work, determination, and honestly luck, which you can't control, anything can come true. And I liked how they showed everyone getting their wishes back and people trying to work on making their wishes come true, how wishes are a part of a person's soul, because what you want to achieve in life is part of who you are, your personality, your aspirations, and without that thing which motivates you, it makes sense why you might end up a bit lethargic and honestly depressed, like the people are shown to be. And I like the idea that you can't depend on someone else to make your wishes come true. The fact that these people are entrusting this one man, Magnifico, to make everything come true, to make everything work out. He knows what's best. You know, he's got our best interests at heart. I mean, that's a pretty good lesson to know. You can't really trust just one authoritarian figure. It's a pretty good lesson. And I think there's something beautiful in making a goal and working towards it. I try to do it all the time. But I think there's a danger in making a wish, a dream, a certain goal into a false idol, which I have been guilty of doing. An idea that I must do everything possible, sacrifice my time, my money, my energy, all to do this one thing, and then maybe I'll be happy. But if we're brutally honest, life is not about following our dreams, chasing our wishes, it's about giving God the glory and serving one another. And even when I have achieved those things that I worked so hard for, turned out not to be as satisfying as I thought they would be. We can't serve one another if our primary focus is our own dreams. And like the movie points out, wishes change, people change. It's actually something I love about Tangled. The moment where Rapunzel fulfills her dream, fulfills her wish, she finally gets to see the lights, the thing she's been searching for her entire life has been accomplished? And now what? What is she supposed to do now? Well, she finds a new dream, and that dream ends up being a life with Flynn. Wishes and dreams continue as life goes on. So while I don't dislike the theme of wish in helping empower people to pursue their wishes, their dreams, it's not exactly the most groundbreaking or deeply resonating tale as old as time. And as I bring this reel to a close with concluding thoughts, that's ultimately the problem with Wish. It is such a middle-of-the-road movie with potential to have been better on every level, from characters to story to music and, I will say, animation. I think they should have kept the original plan and made it 2D. I think a lot of people would have gone to see that return to the classic Disney style. But why is this a problem? There are plenty of mid-movies that get made all the time. 
The problem I have is if people continue to let Disney get away with holding so much influence over culture and audiences across the world with their mediocre storytelling. Stories have power, and bad stories or even just meh stories can't inspire people, don't add value to society, or change the world for the better. Mid-movies, mid-stories create mid-audiences and mid-culture, and that's not what I want to see. What I hope, unfortunately, is that Disney learns the hard way with audiences not seeing their mid-movies, and for audiences to be empowered to look for the exceptional stories. There are so many creators and artists out there deserving a chance to tell their story. So, it may just be that the reign of the mouse ends after a hundred years. The Real Review Podcast, hosted by Zoe Moody, is a part of the Real FM Podcast Network. You can listen to more Real FM podcasts or Real FM radio on the Real FM app or at real.fm.